You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. But you already knew that. That's why you're here. Um, today is actually Thursday. We almost always record on Friday, but we're trying something new. A Thursday night recording at about 6.15 in the evening, so hopefully no giant Ravens news stories break You know, after we're done recording here. Um, but this week for Nest Talk, episode thir- 63, we have a special guest. Dom, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Dominic. Um, I am part of the graphic team that just helped out uh, Chris with the graphics for Baltimore Feather. And then uh, just on Twitter, posting my opinions, thoughts, everything is there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And what's your Twitter account? Um, it's at Ravens Anatomy. Okay, and you can go follow Dom there. I highly recommend you do. If you're looking for me, you can find my personal account at Chris Linfon on Twitter. Or you can find us at Be More Feather or at Nest Talk for the Nest Talk podcast official Twitter account. Make sure you um, find us on Facebook as well. Just search up Nest Talk at the Baltimore Feather. Um, go to BaltimoreFeather.com for the latest, greatest Ravens news and opinion articles, and of course, a bunch of Dominic's graphics on there. Uh, and finally, wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Radio Public, you know, Player.fm, wherever you're listening to, some bootleg site, make sure you subscribe there uh, to get the latest Ravens uh, Nest Talk podcast um, right away when they come out, and that's always a great thing. Now, we have a nice show ahead of us, but of course, you know, this is the biggest story in all of sports right now, and it's a story that's hit a lot of people, uh, and that is the really tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. You know, it's not a Ravens news story, but I think as sports fans everywhere, we can all recognize Kobe Bryant's greatness, what he did for sports as a whole, not just the NBA. You know, he's mm-hmm. was one of the biggest superstar athletes, overall a really good guy by all accounts. And, you know, it's just – it's really tragic to lose him and and his daughter. He was an inspiration. You know, I, I'm not much of a basketball fan, but I always liked watching Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, you know. So just a huge loss for the sports world. Isn't that right, Dominic? Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in San Diego most of my life. So, um, you know, like when, when I heard that new – it didn't like – at first it didn't register. I was like in my kitchen. I was just doing like – some random stuff and then uh, i found on the tv because i was watching the pro bowl like just like like the the beginning of it and it popped up and i was like you know this like uh, my, my friend texted me actually he was like hey kobe bryant uh, kobe bryant died and i was like i was like what are you talking about like it's just like fake news because earlier yeah. i saw like big cat he was like he was talking about like oh kobe, like someone's not like kobe's not in my top five lakers i was like what the like and they're like nah like what are you talking about like it's that's not true and then um uh, you know, I, I don't know. I saw it on the, on the TV, and I was like, "Dude, what the?" And it, it was just like it was just a weird day. Like it just didn't feel right. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was very um, surreal to say the least. Um, yeah. You know, I, most of my longtime listeners here know that I'm a college student, so I was actually doing work with somebody in our school library, and my fo- we were reading something aloud, and, and my phone just kept blowing up as I was reading. I was like, I just threw the book down. I'm like, what could possibly? be you know so important that it has to blow up my phone and the first tweet i see is we're all gonna miss kobe bryant i'm like what and it it was just surreal i mean and then you try to watch the pro bowl after that it did not feel right all the pro bowl players were actually you know just on the sidelines looking at their phones i know mark ingram was constantly on his phone at the pro bowl shocked them all so yeah it it was a real shock it was honestly i thought they were going to cancel the pro bowl yeah but didn't happen. I thought the NBA would cancel some games. They only canceled, I think, the Lakers game. Yeah, just but, the Lakers Clippers. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it still does not feel real. No. Yeah, especially if, of how random it is, right? Yeah. You, know, when you deal with a, a celebrity death. You know, not to make light of any of it, but Michael Jackson or, or all these other celebrities who, who who usually pass away suddenly. It's it's. I think someone else brought up this point. I forget. It may have been Stephen A. or Skip Bayless or something. But, you know, a lot of it's self-destruction, mm-hmm. right? Either drugs or, or some stupid right, mistake. Right. Kobe Bryant was just going to his daughter's basketball game. Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense. But like a, a, uh, Someone was saying, like, um, you can expect it. Or it's like some people, like, like um, I, I don't remember who it was, but they were saying, 
that they're taking drugs. So it's like, oh, if they die of a drug overdose, like, you know, I, you could see it coming. Not like like to predict anything, but I'm just throwing something out there. But also, um, one, one story that hit was uh, Jimmy Fallon's story. If you guys want to go check that out, it's on Jimmy Fallon's YouTube. But it was a really good story, and it kind of, like, made me choke up, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the, I think, saddest stories I've ever, I mean, I'm not even really covering it because I don't do basketball or Lakers, but, you know, I had to tweet about it while it was going on. So it's, it's definitely one yeah. of the saddest stories I've ever interacted with. Oh, yeah, um, my time as an amateur sports journalist here. But not to dampen the mood too much, um, because we do want to have a lighthearted conversation here and, and talk about our beloved Baltimore Ravens. Um, and obviously they're not in the Super Bowl, which you know would have been the ideal outcome of this season, a 14-2 season. But um, we'll talk about the Super Bowl later in the episode. That's probably the last thing we'll talk about. But for right now, yeah. I want to get your opinion on the Ravens' offseason plans. Are there any free agents either on the roster right now that are set to be free agents or on other rosters that you think the Ravens could either look at or try to extend the guys they have right now. Any, anybody particular that, that stands out to you? Okay. So there's, there's quite a bit of um like Ravens. I'm going to just, I'm going to talk about internal ones right now. So there's quite a bit like there's Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Michael Pierce, Levine, Anthony Levine, uh, Damana Pecco, G Hodward, Matt Scarrett, and Gus Edwards. Those are the ones that like really, really stick out to me. Along with um, uh, the punt return, I forgot his name, uh, off the bat. The punt returner? Um, yeah, our punt ooh. returner. I want to say it's D'Anthony Thomas. Yeah, yeah, D'Anthony Thomas. It, but yep, uh, a lot it. of people, like he, like in the past few games, he didn't really help us out that much, so I can see why people are frustrated with him. But um, anyways, um, Gus Edwards, probably one of our main guys that we need to bring back just because it's like yeah. that because of his versatility – um, talking about how he hits the hits the the hole, and how long he's been on the team. Like he's been on the team for three years. Two One years. year he carried I think it by it's himself. Two years now. Oh, two years. This, this will be yeah. A third. This is his second year. He's going into his third, right? Right, right. And um, so the first year he carried it pretty much on his back with Lamar right, right there. Like just a, you know, put together offense real quick. And then um, last year with Mark, he had seven hundred yards. So it's like a no brainer, and he's gonna be cheap. Like no yeah. one's like. Oh, we need to pick this guy up. It's just like I feel a very good reliever for this team. Um, here's the deal with uh, not not to interrupt you, but here's no. the deal with Gus Edwards. Um, I was talking to Ken Bakusik actually yesterday about this on his podcast. Um, right. Gus Edwards is a exclusive rights free agent, so all the Ravens need to do, and I don't know if they can extend him long term. That's something we were kind of questioning yesterday. Well, mm-hmm. all the Ravens need to do to keep him is offer him the league minimum for his third year, which I think I wrote down. I should have. Wrote this in the notes, but all my longtime listeners know I always forget to write things in the notes. But um, it's about between five hundred and six hundred thousand dollars for the year. So looking at the long term salary cap, I mean, that's really little. And you're right about his versatility. I mean, when you when he just randomly showed up on that roster like midway through the season, well, I have to admit, I kind of knew a little bit about him because I watch Rutgers College football, which Mm -hmm. is not the most fun enterprise, but you know, I knew enough about him, so I thought he would be able to do well in the Ravens. And he did. He came off with a huge year um, with Lamar Jackson there. So, you know, he really provides his offense a lot. And especially as a reliever, as you said, for Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. And uh, like one thing also to note is he was in the backfield with Kenneth Dixon, who was a, yeah. a actual draft pick, a fourth round draft pick. And he was also with uh, Ty Montgomery. So like, and Ty has been in the league for their quite a while with Packers. So it was just crazy how he earned his spot through, um, the right oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, especially as an undrafted rookie in that year, midseason mm-hmm. being elevated from the practice squad, it just shows you how how well he works, how well he fits in this offense. And you're right, you know, Ty Montgomery, an established veteran, you know, really should have been the guy the Ravens turned to in that situation. Right. Um, then you have uh, Alex Collins. Was he still on that roster at that point? Or did they okay, cut him? I don't remember. Was. Yeah, they turned away from him. That wasn't working. Right. And then, of course, um, you're right. We, who was the last? Who was the other guy you said? Um, and, everybody from last uh, year. Kenneth, Dixon. Kenneth Dixon, right? Um, who obviously with the injury issues they couldn't use for a while, um, but when they paired them together, they worked very well. Obviously, we right. moved on from everybody but Gus Edwards in that situation. But yeah, I mean, he he's definitely a guy I want to see back in a Ravens uniform. I want to see him in a Ravens uniform for a very long time. And then another, like probably, uh, I'm just gonna go over like the smaller FAs within the Ravens um, that yeah, I feel like we could bring we could bring back for like smaller amounts of uh, cap. Would be a Demonte Pecco. 
I feel like, like with the run we made, he was a great reliever for Michael Pierce, Brandon Williams, uh, Chris Wormley, and I think that's it. But he was he was always there. Like he he was making a lot of plays for this Ravens defense. Yeah, and Demata Pecco. I mean, it just shows to me how good Eric DeCosta is at finding guys midseason. I mean, this mm-hmm. is only his first year as GM. We're already talking about him like he's, you know, beyond Ozzie Newsome here. Yeah. Um, but Demata Pecco, I mean, you got Justin Ellis, who wasn't as big as an addition, but Jihad Ward, I think. Yeah. I don't Jihad know if he's going to be a free agent this year. He is. But he is. bringing, okay. So bringing in all these defensive tackles into this room, and, and the Ravens had some serious run stuff issues against mm-hmm. those Browns in week four. I mean, I was there. It was a it was a disaster game. Yeah, it was not. Right. And I wrote a, I think it was like a terrible article bashing them. I don't even like it, but, you know, it, it, the whole system was, was terrible. I mean, you got Pierce and Brandon Williams, but it wasn't working, so they had to bring in all these other guys. Now, I, I personally would rather see the Ravens keep Jihad Ward over Damata Pecco. Right, yeah. Only because Damata Pecco is, I think, going into his 15th year now. Yeah, that's that was one of my uh, flaws with him. Yeah. Just how long can he stay in? Because he's already, I believe, 35, if my, if I, yeah, that's so, what I, I saw, so. But the good thing about Peck, if they want to bring him back, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him, mm-hmm. especially at that age. He fits really the Ravens, what they're doing now. If they get him to his low contract and bring back Ward, that'd be a good decision. But interesting to note, the Ravens, I believe it's been since 2008, have drafted a defensive tackle every single year. Mm-hmm. So there might not be enough roster him to bring the two back. But that will be interesting um, to see right. what they do with, with Pecco and, of course, Jihad Ward. And just to touch up on one last free agent, I'm going to go over Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr within the Ravens, at least. Yeah. And then um, one of them, like, so Brandon Carr has brings the versatility with playing cornerback and safety. So it's, like, kind of a nice, uh, you know. Transition little, there. Yeah, transition. He can just flip-flop between two. And the Ravens have Marlon uh, Humphrey. Um, the best young Marcus cornerback, Peters. in my opinion. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Peters. And Marcus Peters, too. And Tavon Young, and he showed phenomenal. Uh, even, like, when he was uh, original nickelback and he, he had to play outside, he was playing great on the outside, even for his height. So yeah. I feel like those three are just going to be, like, a really good, really good core. So putting um, Brandon Carr just to teach them. And, you know, Brandon Carr said he wants to come back. He wants to come back to a winning organization. And then we have yeah. Jimmy Smith. Now, it's hard because as a Ravens fan, any Ravens fan, for a while at least, you know that Jimmy Smith is always, he's never had a consistent year. He's shown great flashes. Like, he'll throw for, I mean, uh, he'll play like two games, amazing. And then he comes back, gets injured, and he's out for the season. And it's like, it's just it's, so yeah. like, heartbreaking. So he keeps repeating this whole cycle, right? We feel like right. it's, if you remember if you're 2017, we were like, Jimmy Smith's becoming the best corner in the game. Right. And then he tore his Achilles when we needed him the most. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not that you can really fault him for. Right. Because I mean, how's he going to you know help all these injuries? It just it just happens in football. But Jimmy has been that guy. Like if he was just healthy all the time, you feel like he could really be one of the best corners in the game. But he's just never a hundred percent. That's so true. But uh, another thing with Jimmy Smith is that he's going to have to take a big pay cut because he was making ten yeah. million this year. So it just it's interesting interesting to see what the Ravens do. Either bring back Jimmy Smith, bring back Brandon Carr, or bring back both. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but it's a big decision for them. For well, the... what Harbaugh said. Oh, not to interrupt you here, but no, no you're good. I, I listened to Harbaugh's press conference um, maybe two weeks ago now, mm-hmm. and he said he wanted Brandon Carr back. He wanted Jimmy Smith back now. That's not really up to him. That's more of what the Ravens can do financially. I believe exactly. they have somewhere around $30 million in cap space. Yeah, they're going to want to make cuts here, additions here. Jimmy Smith, they're not going to give him $10 million. They have to give him a small deal. He's already, what, 31 now? 30, 30 yes. 31. Um, and, you know, he's you know, obviously not on the field all the time with injury, but he's had a couple run-ins with suspension. So, you know, that's going to factor in. Brandon Carr, obviously, is the NFL's one of the NFL's great guys. Has been on the, the field every single game of his career, so that's a plus for him. Um, so we'll see what the Ravens do with both of those guys. I don't think both will be back, but I would expect at least one to be back. And right. if I had to pick, I'd probably pick Brandon Carr over Jimmy Smith, even though Brandon Jimmy's Carr's had a longer. Oops, sorry. Brandon Carr's thirty-three. Okay, yeah, Brandon yeah. Carr thirty-three. Jimmy Smith t- thirty-one. Yeah. So I mean, I would pick Brandon Carr over Jimmy Smith if I if I had to put bets on it right now. Just because I think, you know, 
he, he's never been in trouble before. He's mm-hmm. never gotten a, a serious injury before. I think long term, you know, both above 30, so it's a pretty cautious area now. Right. But at least for the short term, I should say, Brandon Carr will probably make the most sense. Yep. And uh, his vers- like he's started every game he's played. He has like the longest streak or something like that, which is. Yeah. I just feel like if any of the D ba- the defensive backs have a question, just go to go to Brandon Carr, keep your health up. You know, Absolutely. I feel like he's just a great asset. So, and he kind of reminds me of what Ladarius Webb turned into in his final couple of years because you know Ladarius Webb, one of the best Ravens cornerbacks, you know, long term Ravens guy through and through. But once he you know started to not do so well at corner anymore, they moved him to free safety, and he produced there for a couple of years. Right. So if they can keep Carr in that kind of transitional role between corner and free safety, and you know this secondary is already really good as you pointed out, Marlon mm-hmm. Humphrey, Marcus Peters, huge extension, Tavon Young's coming back, you got Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark back there, he can really be that sixth guy in that secondary. That kind of just you know if they need him over here, they can put him over here. But if they need him on the the left side, they put him on the left side. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can kind of move him all around and use him where they need him, but don't have to rely on him every single play, which could risk injury and and whatnot. So. That's probably what I would imagine they would do with him in the future. Right. All right. How about you send me a or tell me a position because I got a few. I got uh, sure. D end, offense or uh, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, wide receivers, um, and that's about it. Guy inside line, but I'm not going to touch on that because I'm not a big. I'm not really like fond with uh, inside line. I'm, I'm not sure how to okay. like that works. So. So are those your like big three positions the Ravens have to address? Yes. With this offseason. That's okay. That's. That's my my analysis as well. I think that's pretty much everybody agrees on it. Outside linebacker or just some sort of edge rusher, right. inside linebacker and wide receiver. Um, let's see what you got on wide receiver. Okay, so wide receiver, I don't really have that many options. This is a really small market from my research. Yeah. So my three, I have Seth Roberts. Uh, he just knows the playbook. So Ravens bringing back Seth Roberts. He knows the playbook. He's willing to block. Um, he was a sure, hair, sure pair of hands uh, until the last game, of course. And then... Um, my number two receiver is Robbie Anderson. He's 27. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that Seth Roberts is 29. And then Robbie Anderson is 27. Um, my big question is, will he block? Like, we didn't really see much of that because of mm-hmm. the Jets were just not a very good team this year. I'm not really sure about his previous years, but. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know much about Robbie Anderson, to, to be qu- quite honest with you, um, especially in that offense. Right. I mean, with, with Le'Veon Bell this year, it was – just a travesty. I mean, there were so many Ravens fans piling in on me on Twitter saying, oh, we got to spend $60 million for Le'Veon. Mm-hmm. And with the Jets, I mean, 3.1 yards per carry, not too good. Right. Um, but it's not really the, the style of Le'Veon Bell would be compatible with that because he's, you know, he's a guy that's going to wait for a few seconds and then make his, his move up the middle. So downfield blocking, you know, to open that up isn't really something that Robbie Anderson would do a lot of, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's had a few good years. He's never really had a great quarterback, so it would be interesting to see him with Lamar. Right. Um, he probably and, um, won't command a lo- large market, though. I, I, right. I mean, maybe he would, but I'm not so sure on that. I, I would say depending on where he goes, he would demand a large yeah. market because New York's a big franchise, um, just the, the, the name alone. Um, but just depending on where he goes, and also to bring up the point where if he'll do good with Lamar, I feel that him messaging Lamar on Instagram – might have a little correlation. It's like very small, but uh, did he do that? Yeah, he he um oh. after before the game, uh, he wanted to get Lamar's jersey, so he was like, "Hey Lamar, let me let me swatch jerseys." Right. And him, it was like him, uh, and a few other players. I don't remember, but they showed it after the game, and it was a few few people like huddled around Lamar to get his jersey. And um, the Lamar had, like commented like, "Yeah, I had the the PR guy. He had to get like four jerseys or something so I could sign them for everybody and hand them out because." I mean, Lamar's a big name, so it's interesting to see if people actually come, like, along with Des Bryant as well. That's maybe another person we can get into. Oh, Des Bryant. Yeah, but I do remember that, what you're talking about with the Jets there. I remember seeing the pictures afterwards of, like, there had to be at least three or four Jets players just huddled around Lamar waiting for their signature. It was yeah. really funny. Uh, who's your last guy on that list? Um, It was DeAnthony Thomas, but I made okay. this list before the last game, so. Um, but I, just, I put him down as a cheap returner. He's sure. 27 years old, so... And he wasn't that bad with the uh, the Chiefs. I'm not sure like oh why they let him go, but I do remember he was a very like fast. Per- so like I, w- I always questioned why they didn't use him in the offense this year. So if 
Hollywood mm. was down, why did they not have him as that the special guy? They probably had like a a few like um, differences like between Hollywood's route running and D'Anthony's route running. So there probably is some correlation there, but I yeah I don't know. It was just a he was just one of the guys I saw in there. Was probably the most likely to come to Baltimore. So. That's a really good point. Why didn't they, you know, being so similar? I mean, I know Marquise Brown's probably the faster and, and, and the better of the two receivers right. overall, but Marquise Brown was never 100% healthy this entire no. year. Um, and it, it showed. Until the last game recently, he was the only player, I think, in the playoff game that really looked good to me, offensive-wise at least. Right. Um, you know, from the skill positions, not – uh, offensive lineman, but yeah. that's a good question. Why didn't they use D'Anthony Thomas a little bit more in the in the receiving game? I know Kansas City cut him after a couple fumbles, so maybe that had something to do okay. with it. Maybe Harbaugh was concerned about fumbles, and you know how he gets with fumbles. Yeah, I mean you fumble twice and you're out. Yeah, so yeah. Cyrus um, Jones. That, yeah, Cyrus Jones. If you if you remember back in 2014, actually, um, Justin Forsett got started because Bernard oh. Pierce fumbled in the first yeah. opening game. Yeah. So, um, Just, but yeah, maybe that's Jags. I think, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember who it was. I remember I was that was I usually went to one Ravens game a year. That was the one I was at. It may have oh. been like the Bengals or something, okay. but I don't remember. A bad team. Um, that's, that's, that's all it was. Oh, it was the Bengals because if there was the um, the C. Smith Senior grab that I think it was Kirkpatrick's helmet jumped oh. into the ground. If you remember that highlight. Yeah. I remember. Um, but no, um, some other receivers I want to look at though. Rashad Perryman's on the market, and I know it's kind of a stupid <laughs> thing to say, but. You know, he's a speedster. The Ravens might look to add another speedster. It's like he left Baltimore, and all of a sudden he, he realized, oh, yeah, I'm a wide receiver. Right. You know, like, and, and if you saw his last few games in Tampa Bay, I mean, he looked amazing. Dude, he was great. Yeah, and he caught, um, I think, 645 yards this year, which is way better than he's ever done. Um, yeah. I don't think the Ravens would really consider Rashad Perryman. No. But in the back of my mind, I just think about it, and I'm like, maybe. It would be a crazy uh, homecoming just based on the fact that he's gained so much ball skills uh, after the Ravens, like even after his fifth year on the Ravens, or no, no, fourth year, sorry, because they didn't pick up his fifth year option. No, they didn't. So after his, they did. Sorry, no, they didn't. They did oh, not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. my mistake. Yeah. And um, so after after his fourth year, like he went to the Browns, then he went to the Bucks because uh, the Browns wouldn't re-sign him. So it was just, or it was maybe it was the money. I think um, what happened with the Browns, actually, if I remember correctly, is that he was he was intending to resign. They broke the news, and then they traded for OBJ, and he said, "Well, okay, I'm not going to get any it passes." Yeah. yeah, And then, um, then he moved on to the Bucks, and he had a great year with Chris Godwin and and Mike Evans. So, I mean, that would be a great. I wouldn't say a great sign because I don't know. Maybe to Baltimore, like you, you never know with with players. Because uh, he had a great year with the Browns and then the Bucks, so if he comes back to Baltimore, is he gonna have the same effort? Is he gonna have the same drive? Like, oh, you guys cut me once, like you can do it again. Like, I don't know. It's just like, yeah. it, so it, it's really weird with the with the NFL players. But that that's a very interesting um, thought. It would be, I think, a great storyline to follow, but I don't Fun know enough. how much sense it would make for the Ravens. And that's right. the only reason I put it out there is because he's available. He's rebounded. You know, he's only twenty six. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, some of the bigger name receivers on the market, which I don't know if the Ravens would want to break the bank for, because I mean they're never really the type to do this. Yeah. But Amari Cooper is a free agent. AJ Green is a free agent. Emmanuel Sanders is set to be a free agent. Those three big names. Do you see any of those guys there that the Ravens would maybe consider picking up? I would say I'm gonna give you a few, few points on all three. So um, the only reason I didn't have them, um, let me just preface this: the only reason I didn't have them on my uh, three was because they were just too expensive. But um, one thing that John Harbaugh did say this year, or uh, the end of this year, he said, um, team will try and be unpredictable as it can offensively going forward. So that's like a big thing because, yeah. like, Ozzie Newsome and even last year with Eric, they didn't do, like, very big splashes. They did uh, Earl Thomas. I think that was about it. But, like, once you saw the season progress as we picked up uh, McPhee, we picked up uh, Marcus yeah. Peters, two pretty big names that had a really big in- impact on the team. I just see like them, them, they will make a big splash in this year's free agency. And I do see that Judon um, tagged and traded will be, uh, could be a very yeah, well, viable option this year because they, we don't know because we don't know uh, much of DeCosta. We know that he's 
sat behind Ozzy, but maybe he's like the one of the people in Ozzy's ear, like, yo, take this guy, take this guy, you know, like he he's yeah. like really antsy and he does see something really nice with this this Ravens team. But well we'll talk I, about Judon oh, in a whole segment later on. Um but that's a really good point. Uh not to step on your toes here though. Um so what were you saying though? Oh yeah, okay. So um Amari Cooper, I see his route running ability in his hands just it would be so nice to see like mm. something that the Ravens haven't haven't had since Steve Smith. Like uh, a great route runner, somewhat aggressive, but just sure hands, always gets to the ball. Um that's something the Ravens have never seen. Something like along the lines of Stefan Dix. Like the way he goes out and grabs the ball, he makes the plays by yeah. himself. It's just something nice to see. And then um AJ Green <sighs> he's, you know, a big big receiver like Miles Boykin. Something Miles Boykin could turn out to, just depending on um how how uh he studies his game. And, yeah, yeah. Right. And um just AJ Green's like like a great um, jump ball receiver, but he's also a great route runner, and he's also quick guy, and he also makes like the defender miss. So, like with AJ Green, you get the full package, except for like the breakaway speed. And then um, who's the third guy? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, Emmanuel Sanders. So I saw someone talk about Emmanuel, and they were like, uh, Emmanuel's already been in the 49er system, so he's used to blocking. And I was like, wow, that's a really good point because he's sure. that. He he was with Cortland Sutton at Bronco at the Broncos, and Cortland Sutton's a really good blocker um, as a receiver. And um, Emmanuel Sanders has been in that 49ers offense, just how the Ravens are. I mean, the only difference is that Garoppolo is the quarterback for the 49ers, and Lamar Jackson, the NFL leading rusher uh, of quarterbacks, soon to be MVP as well. Exactly, is for the Ravens offense. So it's just all three of those are great options. It's just is. Eric going to make a move. Yeah, it really comes down to the numbers game, in my opinion. I mean, looking at, you know, what these guys are projected to make, they're, those are probably going to be the three biggest guys on the market. And the Ravens, I mean, at least under Ozzy, because you're right, we don't know what Eric's going to do. This is only, we're going to his second year, right? He's He made one big splash last year. He might do it again. He might not. Um, might make more splashes. But at least with Ozzy, and he's the most comparable GM because Eric sat behind him for like at least 20 years or whatever it is. Right. You know, his, what, biggest two acquisitions, at least in my recent memory, Anquan Bolden and mm-hmm. C. Smith Sr. And he traded yeah. Anquan Bolden away, which is, you know, not the best idea in the world. Um, but, you know, he, he was not going to go out and, and give huge money. He was going to look for guys that get cut usually late in the cycle. Right? right, that's what happened to Crabtree, if I remember correctly. They were mm. looking at Jordy Nelson when that happened. Uh, I think Mike Wallace was something like that too. So they're looking for guys that are going to be the biggest bang for their buck. And if if the market skyrockets on Green, Sanders, or Cooper, then they're going to be out, right. unless Eric has something crazy up his sleeve. Um, right. Now that there's a lot of talk that, that the Ravens could draft a receiver too. Is that something you think would happen back to back years in the first round? Um, I'm not sure, but I, I like. One of the main like things that I really want to happen is the Ravens to trade back in the draft. I want them to get mm. more draft capital because this year with the, the um, receivers, there's so many options. Like you see, um, KJ Hill at the Senior Bowl, he was um, he was very impressive. Yeah, very impressive, and he was one of the people that like the first reports that the Ravens walked up to and started talking to KJ Hill, and I watched some tape on him, and um, he's just a great route one. And there was like a viral twip. Uh, clip on twitter that how we create separation and i've never like i mean i'm not like a analyst like a draft analyst but i've never seen something like it like he was like shifting the other way just to cut back and he was like still running the route as fast as a regular slant and it was it was amazing so i i feel like um a receiver in the draft is going to be one of the top priorities for the ravens which it should be yeah I, i i agree you know in the first round i'm not so sure because I think the Ravens, I'm not sure what the biggest need is for the Ravens going into the draft. I mean, it's a long ways away. We got free agency, but to me, right now, it's really going to be between inside linebacker and wide receiver. Right. So if the Ravens figure, you know, okay, we pick up so and so in all the offseason, let's say they re-sign Josh Bynes, um, you know, not the C.J. Mosley, Ray Lewis type fit to to dominate, but at least be, be serviceable. You know, they still need a receiver because, in yeah. my opinion. 
Chris Moore is, is as good as gone at this point. You know, he's been a yeah. guy that we've oh, yeah. been looking at. I've wrote, wrote twice in a year that he's going to break out, and he's let me down both times. He even blocked me on Twitter. I didn't understand that point. <laughs> but, um, you know, Chris Moore is going to go. The Ravens will really, in my opinion, have at least Mar- Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin. I believe they're going to bring back Seth Roberts. That's my, you know, inclination there. Yeah, that um, sense. Jaleel Scott's going to be on the bubble of the roster. It will be. And I'm forgetting somebody. I don't know who I'm forgetting, though. Um, but well, they'll probably... <laughs> Yeah, they're probably going with four or five wide receivers, and and there's still no dominant guy. I mean, Marquise Brown, obviously, tremendous upside, right? Oh my gosh, a yeah. huge amount of upside. If if he's healthy, he's going to burn past people. And obviously, he's he's Lamar Jackson's best friend on the team at this point. I mean, there's no question. Every time I pull up Instagram, it's Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown in the car or whatever, <laughs> just goofing around. So, um, but there's a there's a tremendous amount of wealth in this draft class on wide receivers. The mm. only problem I have with trading back is that the Ravens are already in a very backwards position on the first round. Twenty-eight, they're picking. Right. There's not much room to trade back in that first round, and you, and and a first round's really good just because you get that fifth round or sorry, fifth year option. Right. You know, and and the contracts it works out really well, um, and and you know you're right. There's a whole lot of talent. I mean, watching the Senior Bowl, the East West Shrine Game, and the NFLPA Bowl, I watched all of them. There were just so many receivers this year. I mean, at a little college like Barry, like I don't even know where Barry is, but this Mason Kinsey guy really impressed me at the, mm-hmm. at the uh, East West Shrine game or whatever. Right. Freddie Swain from Florida is just guys expected to go late in the draft. Um, but can any of them be dominant is the real question. And you got guys like T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, uh, K.J. Hill, who might be a more second or third round pick in my Yeah, probably second, second day. Um, yeah, definitely second day. Jerry Judy, no way the Ravens are going to get to him unless he drops tremendously. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Ravens do. If they can find a partner to trade back, if they can trade back to 32, that might be the best solution. Because I, I agree with you. I love trading back, getting an extra draft capital, but I just don't want to give up that first-round pick. That's true. I, I do see that. But one of the things that was running through my mind when I was thinking about trading back was the Ravens want to win with Lamar now. You know what I'm saying? So, like. True that the fact that they could trade back and the talent they need, I mean, I mean, the draft is up and down, so there's no guarantee you're going to get the talent that you want in the second round or the third round right. or even the first. So the with the Ravens trading back, they get what they think they want now, so they have the mindset, like, we're going to win now. And the fact that they got to resign Lamar in, what, two years? I mean, maybe uh, three because they can pick up his fifth year. But Yeah, they'll pick like, up his fifth for sure. Right, so the fact that they can trade back, grab them now, and then keep working on regaining the draft or the cap uh, cap space in the offseason because through recent years the Ravens have had no caps uh, cap space in the offseason. It's true. Literally any of these years, so it's it's just something you know to think about. Like the that uh, first round, um, I mean the fifth fifth year option is a really good point though. You know, I had an argument with, with some people on Twitter midseason about whether or not the Ravens were in win-now mode. And my, my essential premise is I'm kind of like you here. I think they are in win-now mode, but it's not throw everything to the wind to win this exact season. It's win within this window. And right. that window is going to be Lamar Jackson's five years on the rookie deal. Because you look at the Ravens when they last won the Super Bowl, 2012-2013 offseason. Flacco was on his fifth year. And it wasn't until they extended him to that mega deal, which was the highest in NFL history at that point, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, that significantly worsened their cap situation. It's it's one of the reasons they had to get rid of Anquan Bolden. They couldn't sign big name free agents, a lot of them, because of that cap space. And but that's that's the risk you take with with keeping a quarterback like that. You know, it's it's kind of like you know, making a deal with the devil. You have to keep your franchise quarterback, but if you pay him so much, like a Matt Stafford deal or, or Derek Carr is probably your best example, right? Right. You know, with that huge mega deal, it, it's going to hurt your team maybe more than it's going to help. Now, I'm not saying, you know, extending Lamar Jackson to some mega deal would be a bad thing. I'm just saying if they want to win and they want to make sure they're going to win, you know, the the easiest possible way, it's going to mm-hmm. have to be within this, this window. Right. So, yeah, I agree with you on that point. Um, okay, so aside from wide receiver, I know you had some outside linebackers. Did you want to touch on any of those? 
Yeah, so um, something that would be a big splash in free agency alone, uh, just depending on strictly money, no trading or nothing, would be Clowney. Now, Clowney had quoted, mm-hmm. um, was quoted saying something about Russell Wilson as to lined up. I love playing with him instead of against him because of his legs. And I mean, everybody would probably love playing like, with Lamar because yeah. they don't want to play against him. He heard Eddie Jackson in the Pro Bowl. Uh, you're not allowed to run because you're you're gonna break us. <laughs> he was like, it's true. So, so it's like I think Clowney. He's only 27. Great upside, but the Seahawks are probably gonna want to keep him, so they're gonna do everything in that power to keep him. And then um, more interior, uh, we got Chris Jones, 27, more of a D tackle, um, like the way I watch him play. Um, but he's he's great for the Chiefs, and we'll see what they do with him as well. And then uh, Ngakwe from the Jags. <laughs> yeah, he's a name a lot of Ravens fans have been, you know, just talking about. Ever since the middle of the season when there was some trade rumors, Unique Ngakwe has been on Ravens fans' minds for since then. It's just been every time I look on Twitter, someone's talking about Unique Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see him being, I mean, it looks like him and Judon are already on good terms. So if the yeah. Ravens do retain Judon and uh, nothing else with him, then Ngakwe would be a phenomenal, like, uh, pick up in the in the off season, and then we wouldn't even need to, need to look that much in the draft for an outside linebacker. And then we got a uh, uh, Dante Fowler from the uh, Rams was Rams, on the yeah. Jags as well, and uh, I think he's a really good speed rusher. Like just how quick he how quick he could be to either contain the rush or get to the passer would be great. Yeah, those are all interesting and viable options. I think you know. Um, I like Fowler a lot. The only thing I have with him is a concern about injury. Obviously, right, when he came right. into the league, he blew out his knee within like a week. Yeah, um, Nagakwe makes a lot of sense just because, you know, that's been where the, the rumor mill's been at for months. Uh, I He tweeted out he was free. I don't exactly know if that has anything to do with his contract status, but that's yeah, what I'm speculating. Um, another name I've been hearing is Shaquille Barrett. Right. Um, He's on know, my list as well. Yeah. So we'll see what the Ravens do with outside linebacker. I think, and this is kind of a seg- segue into our next um, segment here. Okay. I think the biggest issue is going to be re-signing Matt Judon. But before we right. get into that, you did mention Des Ryan. I just want to get your opinion. Do you <laughs> think the Ravens should offer him another contract after he already turned down? I think it was like a $30-some million deal with the Ravens mm-hmm. two off-seasons ago, something like that. What are your just overall impressions about that okay so des bryant provides the veteran mentality uh great receiver you know hothead when it comes on the field um but when we're talking about like how the ravens offered him something uh he was he said he was not in the right mind space which he i believe he turned on another offer and then eventually he went on to go to the saints and then after he played for the saints for the uh practice with the saints he hurt himself and then um he uh just sat out the off season and sat out this previous year as well. So then that's, I think that's when he really realized like, yeah, I need to like sit with myself right now. So I feel like the Ravens could give him a second chance as in uh, contract terms. Um, it just depends because of how deep the Ravens are for a need for a wide receiver. Um, oh, it was Willie Sneed, by the way. That was the last person we were thinking about. Willie Sneed. How could I forget Willie? Yeah, I know. Right. And, <laughs> but, um, but when it comes to potential with Dez, it's like he's sort of like the AJ Green, but he's a little bit quicker. He's like um, I couldn't even compare him to anybody because it's Dez Bryant. So I don't know. Like I, I do feel like the Ravens could give him a second chance when it comes to uh, contract talks, but um, it, we'll just have to see, I guess. You know, the only I I liked a lot when Dez Bryant was one of the best receivers in the game. I I loved to watch him. I mean, he was so good. But the only problem I have with him right now, well, I guess it's technically two problems. It's he's coming off that humongous, I think it was like an Achilles tear or something in his knee. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was some huge yeah, it was injury. Some, it was something bad. And second, I mean, he's getting older. He's been in the league since, I think, 2011. He's around 30. He might be 30, 31 at this point. I just don't want the Ravens in another situation where they bring in a veteran wide receiver to kind of, you know, put their finger let's say um to clog you know the the flood right right um it, it's it's not it's it's like putting a band-aid on on a huge wound i mean it might help a little bit 
unless he, you know, really produces, then it won't help too yeah. much. Right. Um, and they'd have to, you know, if they want to bring him in and somebody else, you know, maybe through the draft or something, they'd have to get somebody off the roster, whether, whether it be Seth Roberts, um, you know, Jaleel mm-hmm. Scott. But I'm not sure I want to sacrifice young talent for Des Bryant at this point. Right. Um, but to kind of move into, if you have any other points, you can you can say them. But to kind of move into Matt Judon. Yeah, I'll talk um, about them right here because I had a few more people. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just talk about them when. Sure. Yeah. You can go ahead. Um, okay, so um, along with the the like about four or five we already mentioned, uh, we had D- Bud Dupree, um, twenty seven, mm-hmm. but he is you know, on the Steelers, so the Steelers were probably trying to retain him. But his be- behavior was kind of uh, on and off. Uh, when I heard reports about him, even in yeah. the the Steelers locker room, and then um, it was secure. Matt Judon was one of my others, and then interesting thought Vic Beasley. So I know that he had his amazing uh, rookie year. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember if it was his rookie year or he was just defensive player of the year. But he had a great uh, one of those years, and he was just great on the fourth three, I believe, for the uh, Falcons. So if he could play the outside, he would be a great complement to Judon. How quick they are, how quick they both are off the edge. If they could just secure that in the middle and then pick up an inside linebacker, I feel like he would be a really good complement with Judon. And then Marcus Golden, 29. He's a little older, um, but uh, he's more of like the the hard hitting, like you know, rough outside uh, outside linebacker. And then uh, one last person, Aaron Lynch, 27, young and cheap. Uh, couldn't like if the Ravens can get him for a good price, then I don't see the reason. Very strong. He reminds me of um, a little bit of Shaq Barrett, a little bit of he had a great year with the 49ers. I do remember that. And yeah, yeah pretty much it. I like your, your comment about Vic Beasley. You know, he's just one of those guys that has an explosive year and then just like takes a back seat. I mean, he's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but you're right. I think he was like the sack leader in his first or second year, some crazy yeah. thing. And then he just kind of declines to basically average. So he's more of a gamble. And I don't mind the Ravens gambling. No. You know, if, if they Not got him pretty cheap, I think it'd be Not a good right pickup. Yeah. But, yeah, especially, you know, trying to win the Super Bowl within the next three years, you know, gambling a little bit of money, as long as they're not breaking the bank, $30 million for Vic Beasley or some ridiculous thing, yeah. I'd be interested to see what they could do with him. Um, another but little moving... point. Oh, real quick, real quick. Yeah, sure, go for it. Uh, another little point. Is that uh, Vic Beasley was also like projected? I mean, uh, speculated in the off or um, in the midseason to get traded to the Ravens, and it was like a dirt that, cheap, yeah. like a sixth or seventh round pick or something like that. So it seems like the Falcons fans are pretty fed up with them. Maybe it was just the heat of the moment. Maybe it was just the year that they had at the point. But you know, we'll see. Well, the Falcons are definitely going to be in some sort of rebuild mode because they cannot continue the way they currently are. Right. Right. They have. You know, I'm not the biggest Matt Ryan fan. I think he's a little bit overrated right now. And he really always has been, in my opinion. But, you know, they have one of the most dynamic offenses. There's really no question about it. Julio Jones, they had Sanu. um, Calvin Ridley, who should have been a Raven, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) Matt Ryan throwing the ball. You know, but that's not working. They put all their money in offense. That's not working. The guys they have on defense, obviously not doing enough to keep the ship afloat. Something's got to change. And when you go through rebuilds, you know, bubble players like Vic Beasley are often the first ones to go. Right. So we'll see what they do. I, they could try to resign him to a longer-term deal, but there's a really good chance he hits the market. And you're right. A lot of Falcons fans were very upset with him. There was a lot of talk about him getting traded to the Ravens. That wasn't the case. The Ravens actually went out and got Peters instead, which right. was a very, very good move looking back. Um, but, yeah. So Matt Judon, though. You, you mentioned this. It's it's a guy. He's a guy in every single Ravens fan's mind right now. There's talk about him being franchise tagged, but not only franchise tagged, but then traded afterwards. What's your general opinion on the trade part? Not so much the franchise tag, but if, if they were to retain him and then trade him, what, what would you think about that? I would say value. My number one word for the trade is value. Like, what do, yeah. they, what do the Ravens get with Matt Judon? Do they pair up another player with Matt Judon? Do they pair up another draft pick with Matt Judon? What do they get with Matt Judon? Because Matt Judon was a day two pick that turned out to be a star for the Ravens, which is is pretty like, you know, the Ravens get an undrafted yeah. free agent. They get they get some from that, too. So it's like the Ravens kind of hit with a few players. So but with Matt Judon, the last few games, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't they didn't do anything um, on defense, even against the uh, I mean, 
against the the Browns. They didn't, I don't remember them having a sack, or they had one sack, and it was not Matt Judon. And then the Steelers and the Titans, they both, I don't believe they had a sack on, or maybe they had one. It was um Brandon Cars, a two. Yeah. But that was, you know, like, so I, I would really not mind if the Ravens invested heavily, like, okay, we trade Matt, now we get uh, someone else. I'm not, I couldn't name a name because I don't know what Matt Judon's uh, price is to other teams. But um, so we trade Matt, but we bolster the the D line so we can get a few sacks a game. I w- I would not mind that. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. You know, Matt Judon is a guy. Once I drafted him, we kind of saw him start to move around on the field a little bit. We all expected him to become a good player, but he's kind of reached another level with stardom. I, I believe he made the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the trend recently, though, is a lot of teams are franchise tagging these these pass rushers and then trading them away. I believe um, Cleo Mack was franchise tagged and then traded. Um, Jadavion Clowney definitely was. Yeah. So you have these instances, you know, a, a new history, let's say, of this happening for teams the, the the franchise tag on him is going to be expensive. You know, it's the top five at his position, which includes all linebackers, so inside and outside, you know, average of whatever that is. So it's probably going to be somewhere. I know Mosley's would have been like $16, 17000000 million, so it probably has right. to be somewhere in that range. Mm. Luke Keekley's retirement might bring that down. I don't know because he, I believe, was the highest paid inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Franchise tagging him is going to put a financial strain on the Ravens. There's no question about that. Trading him would get, I believe, wiped that clean, and they get value for him. So if they feel they can't retain him, like if they know if they if they know if he was to hit the open market, he would get way beyond what they can pay, and they're not so much interested in keeping him for that price. Then by all means, do it because it gets the Ravens value. Because at the end of the day, you know. I think all Ravens fans would like to see Matt Judon retained on the Ravens. I don't think yeah. there's any question about that. But if if he's going to go, we got to get something out of it. That's how yeah, I see do. it. So, That's why I was talking about value. value yeah, value. value. It's really the name of the game. NFL, yeah. it's all – when you're building a roster, you got to get the best for your, bang for your buck. Value. <laughs> so I want to see Matt Judon back. I really do. But, if again, if the Ravens can't, they, that might be, be the avenue they have to go down. That's true. Um, so we have Matt Judon there. Now, Tony Jefferson is another guy. Now, I don't know if you know, if you saw this, but there was a thing going around on Twitter by a fake My Sports account, NFL update, whatever, yeah. basically saying that, that Jeff Zrebic, one of the best reporters on the Ravens, if you want to get the best Ravens news, I know I say I have it, but it's really yeah. Jeff Zrebic. Yeah, he's got sure all my leads. Sure yeah, Jeff by far of the athletic. He used to be of the Baltimore Sun, but he is by far the best Ravens insider. Go give him a follow on Twitter. Um, but they were, you know, he made this, he's got like 2,000 likes and like 500 retweets or whatever. Yeah. He made a report, you know, this this account saying, oh, Jeff Zrebic reports that Tony Jefferson has been informed the Ravens are cutting him. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I was like, I was like just getting out of class or something like that. I'm like, oh my God, like now I got to sit down and write this article. Like I have all this homework <laughs> to do. But then I, cl- I I looked down and people were saying fake. I'm like, what do you mean it's fake? And then I see it's my sports with two S's. Yeah. And I don't know if, how many of our, our listeners out there are on Ravens Twitter, but there's this kid. Uh, I think he usually goes by Chickers. Yeah, that was Chickers. He he's done this stuff before, and and yeah. I looked at Jeff Zrebic's account. Yeah, he's a he's a humongous Ravens troll. It's funny, but it's not so much funny when it gets two thousand likes and whatever. And I think it's a real yeah. lead. Never about to retweet it to everybody and be like, you know, I'm about to get fooled. Um, no, but I, I read Zrebic, and he basically said, no, this I, I never said that. There's a possibility the Ravens get rid of him, but I, there's no confirmation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not take away from the conversation because he's a guy. Look, Ravens fans, he might be the most divisive player amongst Ravens fans right now. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that provides value in the box, but he's not Ed Reed, okay? No. We saw what happened in the first four weeks. He was not playing very well. But then when we go up against Derrick Henry and we need a tackling safety, we don't have one. That's mm-hmm. Tony Jefferson. That's what he was, our box safety. So... I mean, he's a guy, you know, especially with the emergence of Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark has become a really good safety for the Ravens. He's not the best, but he's really good, especially from being a seventh-round pick. 
Um, Tony Jefferson seems, seems more expendable than ever, but after that Tennessee game at the same time, it's like, but what if we need him? Mm-hmm. So what are your overall thoughts on Tony Jefferson's possible futures here with, with the Ravens or without the Ravens? I think Tony Jefferson was a great uh, player for the Ravens in terms of connection. Like him and every every defensive player on that on that field have a connection. Like him, uh, him and and um, Anthony Levine talk all the time on Twitter. Same with uh, even some offensive guys like Ronnie Stanley. I saw them joking around today. Or Orlando Brown, maybe it was him. But it's just like connection. Like he has a lot of connection. So I feel like if the Ravens move on from Tony and from me from being San Diego, like Tony and Eric Weddle were like my duo. Like it was a dream duo of mine. I was like, dude, what the heck? Like they're playing on the same team. I was like upset because yeah. uh, Eric Weddle is my favorite safety of all time. Or not of all time, but because I'm from San Diego, watched him growing up, watching the Chargers, I had had a root for uh, Eric. But um, so when I saw Tony, even um, like four years ago, when it was um, when he was on the Cardinals and he was making plays, yeah. and um, and they were like thinking about uh, bringing him in to the Ravens, I was like, oh, dude, no way! That'd be crazy. Him and Weddle, like they're gonna dominate. It didn't really end up that way. They did it for like maybe a season, maybe the last season they played. It was pretty decent, but then moving on from Eric, it was kind of like, all right, where do we go from here? And then when Tony went down in the Seattle game. I was like, okay, well, like here's our season. Like, especially after the uh, the Browns, I was like, okay, well they're gonna win the game, you know. Then now now we're out again. But then when Chuck Clark stepped in and he put the green dot on, I was like, okay, well, like, you know, Chuck was like a sixth, seventh. Like we'll see what he can do, but I, I don't expect a much from him. But then he leads the defense, and it's it's like something we've like we don't we're not really used to. And then Chuck Clark comes in and makes plays and intercepts like and gets tackles and. I agree. He would be. He would have helped a lot on the Tennessee game, but he wasn't there. Yeah. So, like, and especially with him coming up and him wanting like seven million. Personally, I would like to move on from him. Where he would go, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, we get Jamal Adams, and you know, we got hey, an immediate replacement. But it's just it's up and down with uh, with him. Yeah, I mean, Tony Jefferson is obviously a guy that I think everybody on the Ravens. Just loves Tony Jefferson. I mean, he and Eric Weddle, you brought up that point. You know, for all they were as players, and, and you, we can debate whether Eric Weddle and, and Tony Jefferson actually were good enough for the Ravens, but you know, they were a dynamic duo together. They love playing together. And I will never, ever forget that Tony Jefferson turned down more money from the Browns just to play for the Ravens. Yep. Like, that alone gives him rock star status to me, okay? Um, but, yeah, I mean... It, I'm on the fence about Tony. I'm really not sure what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be interesting in the future with him. And, you know, if they keep Brandon Carr as a third safety and you still have Anthony Levine in here, I know he's – I think you said he's heading into free agency, if I remember correctly. Yes, he is. Um, you know, if they retain him too, keeping five safeties, I'm not sure how tenable that would be. I mean, I know they've, they've done it, but, you know, if they want to move Chuck Clark more into a starting role with, with Tony there, it, it would – conflict some things right. um so we will see how that happens i'm i i'm just super on the fence about it right. um now you say you're from san diego though did you always like the ravens or did, were you a chargers fan originally okay so um when i was younger uh i grew up in let me grow up san diego if anyone's from san diego uh you know where that is and um so we we watched uh, Chargers games a lot but um once the once the chargers moved on from breeze that's when i started watching the ravens because um, I moved to Alabama at that time. So once I moved to Alabama, I moved up to Maryland. So once I was in Maryland for one year, I was up in San Diego for four years, Alabama for four years, a year up in Maryland, um, Annapolis in specific. And then I moved to Idaho for like six months because my dad's in the military, so that's why I'm so like mobile. And I moved to Idaho for uh, six months and then came back down to Southern California. But um, so once I had moved up from... Uh, from Alabama to uh, Maryland, that's when I started watching because Alabama had no football, so we were just watching the Falcons or the the Bucks or the um, Dolphins, whatever or Jags even, whatever was on around there. Titans too, and um, so once I moved up to Maryland, I was like, All right, I'm gonna set my team, set my sights on this team. I remember I think it was like 2008, 2009. 
because it had a great season in 2010. Yeah, so yeah. that that's when um that's when I like turned into a Ravens fan because once I moved from San Diego, I didn't know I was gonna not be uh you know come back down over this way. So it was just like I right, gotta move on, you know. And the the Chargers were you know they were up and down. They were they were beating the Colts in the playoffs, and then they were losing. They weren't even going. Like it was just up and down. So I chose the Ravens, stuck it out with them, and ever since. Yeah, I, I always love the the stories of of non local fans, specifically mm-hmm. because I am actually not a local fan either. I'm from New Jersey, right? So I'm really in Giants and Jets markets. And the reason I actually like the Ravens, and this used to be a cooler story, um, <laughs> but I I I grew up as I said watching Rutgers football, college football, and when Ray Rice got drafted by the Ravens, I kind of just followed him to the Ravens. Right. I didn't have an NFL team; that just seemed like a natural thing to do. Obviously, it used to be a cooler story to tell. Since Ray Rice, you know, got in that incident, which we're, we're not going to really cover too much about that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so that's really how I got into it. So I always like to hear every time someone tells me, oh, I'm a Ravens fan from San Diego or Canada or some ridiculous thing. I always want to know, like, well, what, what made you be a Ravens fan? Like, there's got to be something there. It was also the uh, the connection with Alabama and and the Ravens because Ozzy was yes. you know GM right there. So uh, like when CJ Mosley got drafted by the Ravens, I was so hyped. I didn't care about the rest of the draft. I just cared about CJ. And then when Marlon, I was like, actually Marlon was a different story because we it wasn't like a corner market for us. It was like oh okay, well this is the best player in the draft. So yeah, all right. But it was like from he was from Alabama, so I was ecstatic. But but it was also like kind of on the fence. Yeah, that's the Marlon Humphrey. I remember that draft because that's actually the first draft I covered on the Baltimore Feather. Mm-hmm. And I did not scout him at all. There's, I'm like, there's no way we're going to take a cornerback. Like, we right. have, we just brought in Brandon Carr. I'm like, we have Jimmy. There's absolutely no reason to take one. <laughs> and I thought they were going to take OJ Howard with that pick. Yes, I remember like that's... tweeting or whatever. I'm like, here's OJ Howard. And the, the kid comes up who's the luckiest kid in the world, really, to, yeah. to announce the draft pick, if you remember that. But he comes up and they're like, he gives his little fist pump. He's like, Marlon Humphrey. I'm like, who? I honestly didn't remember who Marlon Humphrey was. It was the funniest thing. I had to like sit down and like check the notes. I'm like, oh, cornerback from Alabama. Yeah. At least he's from Bama. Maybe he'll be good. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, yeah he's kind of good. So um, that was a good pick. That, lucky I was not the GM or anything at that time because I would have picked OJ Howard and then oops. Well, he's not that bad, but you know. Yeah. Um, moving on now, we just had our Pro Bowl. We we saw all the college All Star games, but there's only one bowl that matters now, and it's not the XFL starting in two weeks. But that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, oh, it's yeah. the Super Bowl. Yep. So we have, I think it's the first time in history, two teams with the dominant color of red yeah. are going up against each other. I know it's a useless stat. I always make fun of useless stats, but it's kind of interesting. It was almost a repeat of the first Super Bowl, which would have been really funky for the NFL's 100th year if the Green Bay Packers had beat the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm a little biased in this. I'm a sucker for really good coaches, mm-hmm. and I love Andy Reid, and I love the Harbaugh connection, but I really, really love Terrell Suggs. And I know that right now, the, the, as, as I've said before on the podcast, and I, I'm sure you agree with me, the Ravens and Chiefs are kind of becoming a little bit of a rivalry here. Right. Each other in the playoffs yet, but it just feels like these two teams are on the same trajectory. I know I'm probably not supposed to root for the Chiefs, but I'm going to only because I want to see Suggs get that second ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl? And if you have a prediction or MVP prediction, what have you got? Um, I think that personally, I think that the 49ers are a better team. They're just more rounded. They have a better defense. Their offense better rushing. I wouldn't say better passing, but they have a decent passing. Like um this year for the the wide receivers for the 49ers they had Emmanuel Sanders, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Debo Samuel, which is a phenomenal draft yeah. uh, draft pick. He's uh, he's a great receiver, and then um, I'm forgetting one That's more. Interrupt you though, but Debo Samuel, he's a guy. When when I scouted him last offseason, I kept thinking to myself like this dude could be a first round pick. Yeah. But everyone's giving him like a third round grade. I'm like. Well, I think he could be a first-round pick, but if if, the, if he's only getting taken in the third round, it'd be a great steal. Obviously, uh, San Francisco pulled the trigger before the Ravens could, but yeah, that was... you know that that was crazy. Uh, him, him, and the guy for the uh, Redskins—I don't remember his name—but they were pretty Terry much the McLaurin. same build. What was that? Right? Isn't it Terry McLaurin or something? No, no, not McLaurin because he was a first-round. Oh. 
but I, I forgot his name. I'll have to get back to you guys. But um, uh, him and Debo Samuel were like the same build, and I was like, okay, like these two guys are gonna be like yeah. so similar. Like the Ravens need to get one of these guys. Cause it was just their like fight. Like it was crazy. But um, anyways, back to the Super Bowl. I think the 49ers are a better uh, team. Like they have a better rushing attack, better defense on all four cylinders. Um, but I do want Terrell Suggs to get his his. I want him to break the sack record. I want him to get the deserves the, it. The rain. I want him to get in the Hall of Fame quicker. You know, he said he even said, "When I retire, I want to be a Raven. I want to, uh, you know, home is always home or something like that." Oh, yeah. So, I mean, just because I'm from California, I'm gonna go root for the 49ers. But you know, it's just like one of those. I just hope it's a great game. I hope it's a phenomenal game. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, after last year's defensive battle, which I don't, I like a good defensive battle here and there. But you know, I don't want to have two Super Bowls where they lose score so i know the 49ers have a a very good defense there's no question i mean nick bosa is the undisputed in my opinion the undisputed uh defensive rookie of the year most definitely um you've you've got guys like deforest buckner on there um um what's the cornerback who used to play for the seattle seahawks whose name i'm blanking on richard sherman richard sherman yeah um you know there's just so much talent on that defense the only concern I have is if they got into a shootout with Kansas City, I don't know if Garoppolo could carry them. He's a good quarterback, but he's not Pat Mahomes. That is true. And, you know, I always, I always, you know, like to say, you know, there's 53 men on a team. It's not just the quarterback. But when you get in that kind of situation, I would rather have Pat Mahomes. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm just a little too much biased for Terrell Suggs trying to get that ring. But I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs would probably pull out in a very close game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be a, a 34-31 game in Kansas City's favor. It'll come down to like the last drive. It'll be a great game. Um, MVP will probably be Pat Mahomes. Obviously, yeah. you know the quarterback's almost always the MVP, unless it was last year with Edelman. Uh, do you have a score prediction, MVP prediction you want to say? All right, I'm going to say uh, 27-21 49ers. But um, I did like the point where you are explaining uh, the shootout part. So... I don't know if anyone can cover Tyreek Hill and McCall Hardman because they are just too quick. And the way they come back to Pat when he's scrambling or when he doesn't have anything open, like they just know. They know the field so well that they can come back to whichever little spot. And the reason, the the way how uh, Richard Sherman plays, I don't know if he's quick enough anymore. I don't know if uh, Witherspoon on the other side. I don't know if Kareem Williams, I don't remember his name, the cornerback, number 23, 49ers. But one story... I was following all throughout the year uh, was Kawan Alexander, the middle linebacker for the 49ers, and just his story. Like when he came back, oh, yeah. they used like it was like a hype video. I was like, okay, like like this guy's like, he's crazy. And like, I don't remember which game it was. I think it might have been the game before the Ravens. I don't remember who they played, but he was like jumping on up and down uh, the Seahawks. They were, uh, it was a Seahawks one because they were like getting really hype, and they showed him he had his red dreads. He was like jumping up and down like broken or broken clavicle just you know jumping up i was like man this guy's like he's like a leader so i don't know he's one of the stories i like to uh to follow but yeah 27 21 49ers on top that's a good prediction and uh yeah quan alexander should not have been back at all this year no. pushed himself to get back it's crazy and you're right about miko hardman um the ravens fans i mean he's a rookie this year ravens fans got a very rude awakening to him yeah in that kansas city game uh, I don't think you said an MVP. So do you have an MVP pick? Oh, MVP. Um, shoot, it's hard to give it to Garoppolo, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Garoppolo. We'll see yeah. what happens. Though it's almost always the quarterback yeah, uh, under the be, radar, so. though. Under the radar MVP. Well, maybe not so much under the radar, but Raheem Mostert. If it mm-hmm. gets into that kind of you know slugfest, Raheem Mostert could be the MVP. Well, I, I think that's. Do you have any other points or no? Uh, I was just going to say, like, the 49ers use a slew of running backs, so it's it's kind of hard. Like, we'll see because uh, uh, Shanahan was like, you know, whoever has a hot hand that we can practice, like, he's getting the ball. So, and they could switch it up because they run the same thing, like, all three backs, like Beretta, Moster, and, uh, and Coleman. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it will be interesting. Definitely be a good game. Um, and then, of course, we have the XFL to watch next week, which I'm, oh. I'm just kind of interested in that. I, I want to see what happens. Like I've always wanted another like a spring developmental league, and I think this could be it. I know it failed in the past uh, with Vince McMahon, but it's supposed to be completely different. I'm gonna try to go to a game, which should be interesting. 
yeah. but we'll see how that runs out. But Super Bowl is more important, obviously. And I think that's going to be it for today. Um, we'll be back next week for Nest Talk episode 64. And uh, Dominic, I want to thank you again for coming on the show this week. Uh, it's great to have you on. Why don't you plug your social again before we uh, start to wrap up? Follow me on Twitter at Ravens Anatomy. And I also started a podcast. It's Ravens Anatomy as well. Um, I might be doing something for the feather uh, soon. We'll have to see. But um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So see you guys later. You got big plans coming up. Of course, you can it's find the Baltimore good. Feather. Uh, BaltimoreFeather.com for the latest, greatest Ravens news and opinion articles. Subscribe to the email list. That's the best way. I've Actually, a lot of you guys have been subscribing to the email list. I've been getting notifications of a bunch of them. Uh, it's the absolute best way to get Ravens news in your inbox. And I know February is going to be a bit dead for the Ravens, so we're going to move on to some draft and free agency evaluation in the next few weeks. Maybe so I'm excited about that. Talk. XFLA, maybe we'll do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us at on Twitter at BeMoreFeather or at NestTalk. Um, and, of course, you can find me at Chris Linfont. Go to Facebook as well. You can find us. Just search out Baltimore Feather or NestTalk on Facebook. If you are listening, wherever you are listening, subscribe. Um, the main platforms, of course, if you're, you know, want to switch over to one, YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. Subscribe, rate us. Give us some feedback. Any questions for the uh, episodes? Um, I know, again, it's going to be kind of dead over the next few weeks. But we will we will persevere through the no news cycle uh, until we get towards the free agency and draft when it gets really interesting. Um, Stay tuned for that. Um, Yeah, so this is Chris Linfont signing off for Dominic and I, and uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back next Friday with Nest Talk episode 64. Take care, everyone. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.